Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, John chapter 13. Jesus has just finished finishing in this particular chapter. He's just finishing this moment with the disciples. He's washed their feet and he's... He's used all kinds of symbolism about what it means for him to cleanse people. And it's really powerful, and I encourage you to go back and read the very beginning of John chapter 13, but we're going to pick it up here in verse 31, where Jesus issues a brand new commandment to the people. It says, When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Look at these words, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I want to finish this proximity series with this message. If you're taking notes, you can write, write the title down. We're in this together. Everybody say it together. We're in this together. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for everything you've given us, God. We're so grateful, Lord. It all comes from you. Father, thank you. That you've given us a home, you've given us a place, you've given us a space, Lord. You, you're giving us space right now, Father, to, to, to be around your word, Lord, and to be in community with your people. Father, even in this moment, Lord, I pray you would help us, Father, to not grow familiar or not grow stale with being in your presence and in your house and amongst your people, Lord. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we open up our hands and we open up our hearts and we ask you that you would minister to us right now. Show us something new. Do something new. Help us to see something new. Father, we're grateful for all that you've given us. We're grateful for all that we have. And we thank you that with grateful hearts, Lord, we can proceed. And Father, we pray for colonial kids right now. Lord, thank you that you're raising them up to be mighty in the faith. Holy Spirit, I pray that you wouldn't just be here, but you'd be in there too. Speaking to them, building them, growing them. In Jesus' name, amen. Proximity is all about getting close to God. And when I get in proximity, I get close to Him. This whole series has been my word for 2020, which is simply this. Like it says in Psalm 73, let me read it to you because it says it much better than I can. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand, the psalmist says. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? I love it. Whom have I in heaven but you? What else is there? 
And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. The beginning of this series, I talked about near and far, this this complexity that sometimes exists in our faith and in our walk where sometimes we can feel far from God. And actually, there was a time when we were far from God, but because of the cross and because of the blood of Jesus and because of the resurrection power that now lives in us, we no longer need to feel or have to feel far, but we can actually feel close. And in proximity to God, there's this amazing dichotomy between feeling near and also feeling far. And our faith is always built on two things, these two major premises. There's invitation and there's response. If you think about it, when it comes to church, when it comes to to faith, when it comes to walking with God, there are these two dynamics at play. God gives us an invitation to come close, and there's a response that comes from us. And so I talked about being near, but also how we can draw close. And then I talked about how proximity produces something in us that can produce light, it can produce a clarity, it can produce a hopefulness. That helps us move forward. And then I love that last week, Pastor Biju just talked about confidence. How proximity, this, this, this sense of closeness to God just should produce this confidence to approach God in a confident way. And today I want to come around this idea, this thought that we're in this together. That how proximity with God has to. It has to. It cannot, it, this, this cannot happen in our lives where we don't when we come into proximity with God, that we lose this appreciation and this love for people. We are in this together. And I want to talk this morning about how proximity to God always leads eventually to proximity to people. So proximity to God leads to a proximity to people. If you have a heart for God, you will always have a heart for people. If you have a heart for God, if you love God, You will love people. Maybe not necessarily straight away because it has to be in that order. But when you love God and you truly get a sense and a revelation of who Jesus is and an appreciation for what Jesus has done for you, you can't help but not love people. You can't help but have a heart for people. And I pray in 2020 that this proximity message, this proximity faith decree, this proximity prophetic that I'm prophesying over our church would not just lead to a proximity to God, and I pray it would, but it would also lead us to a place where we've got to understand, man, I love God, but oh man, I have a heart for people now. Everything has changed for me. Proximity has changed me. I wonder if proximity has changed you. I wonder if proximity has changed your life to a point, to, a, to an extent But it's not just about loving God anymore, although that's the primary thing, but it's also caused you now to love people. Proximity to God, but also to people. Do you love people? Do you have a heart for people? As you grow in your godliness or God-likeness, you will absolutely develop a heart and a love for people in that process. Loving people is simply a way of life for a believer in Jesus. I want you to think about that for a moment. We talk about lifestyle. We talk about lifestyle of generosity. 
lifestyle of grace, lifestyle of, of, of redemption, a lifestyle of walking in sonship with God. But I truly believe that, that what this lifestyle produces is a love for people and a heart for people. If you confess to love Jesus, to love God, there's this inherent in the outworking of our love for God that produces a love for people. See, Jesus was extremely clear about that in John. In the Gospel of John, if you, if, you, if you want to sum it up this way, it's simply this. Believe in the words of Jesus and what Jesus said was to love people. And that's how people will know that you're mine. I want to say that again. This is, this is a Gospel of John, the love gospel. Believe in Jesus' words. And those words ultimately say to love people. And that's how I'll know. That's how people will know that you love me. Proximity to me leads to proximity with people. See, Jesus was, was so clear. The early church had this amazing way of living in close proximity and loving each other with the love of Jesus. Let me show you. In Acts chapter 2, and verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were, to, were together and had all things in common. See, there was a togetherness, there was a proximity, there was a closeness. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing all the proceeds to all as any had need. And I love what happens next. And day by day, attending the temple together, there it is again, together, and breaking bread in their homes, again, more proximity, more closeness. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, Day by day, those who are being saved. Proximity produces a heart for people. Love for God produces a heart for people. And I believe what we see here in the book of Acts is this proximity, this love for people causes the people, the number of people to grow. Some of the earliest writers that aren't in the Bible, but some of the, the, the great observers of the early church, one of the things that they there's a consistent theme through all of those early writers was this, the sense of proximity and love between Christians and in the early church. So I want to talk a little bit about this this morning. Jesus displayed it. The early church modeled it. And now we are called to live it. Do you see loving God? Sorry, loving people as God's proximity for you. See, loving people is God's idea. That's point number one this morning. If you want to write it down, love is God's idea. Love is God's idea. Loving people is God's idea. It's His idea. Love for people is not an idea that was founded on the internet. It's not a philosophy. It's not a strategy. Although sometimes it can work. But love is the very DNA of who God is. He created it. He designed it. Love is God and God is love. Love is really God's idea. It's not our idea. See, what we've done is sometimes because of maybe the age we live in or because of just human nature, we've tried to come up with our own definition of love, our own idea of what love should look like or love should feel like or love should, should be like. But here's the problem is that love is truly God's idea. And our definition of love becomes our, doesn't become our own or doesn't become God's idea until we encounter grace. And this is what grace is. It's radical, unconditional love that paid a price that I couldn't pay. I want to say that again. 
This is what God's love is. Radical, unconditional love that paid a price I couldn't pay. See, the English language, it doesn't do a great job of describing love. It's too general. But if you look at the Greek language and maybe you've been in church for a while and you've heard some of these different descriptors of what love is, but I'm just going to go there anyway because it's the best way of, of understanding it. But basically, there's four types of love in the Greek. The first is... Siri, get away from my iPad. In Jesus' name. Airplane mode. But the English doesn't do justice to the word. So there's four different types of love. There's phileo, which is the kind of love that would depict a true friendship or a bond between friends. A true friendship, a love between, between mates, between buddies. When I say to my friends, I love you, man, that's what that is. It's phileo, it's this, this, this bond, this friendship. That's one type of love. There's eros, which is the kind of love that's reserved for romance and appreciation of beauty. That's eros, and that's where we get our word erotic from in the English. It's this passion, this sensual love. So that's eros. And then there's storge, which is, means to love like you would see love between a parent and a child. A sense of that kind of love, an overseeing love, a love that's just like you're in my family and, and, and I'm going to take care of you. That's storge. But see, that doesn't do it justice when we're talking about the love of God. The love of God is a, and what we read about here in John is much greater than those, those types of love. This love is agape. And agape is love's idea, sorry, God's idea of love. Agape is a love that's not rational. It's not emotional. It's not bound to a season or a circumstance. Or when I'm feeling good or when I'm feeling bad or I'm feeling like, oh man, I'm just having a great time with you and so now I'm going to express my love. That's not agape love. Agape is um, unconditional. It's not rational. It doesn't make sense because it's God's love, not ours. Agape doesn't make a lot of sense to humans. See, it's love when there's no love coming back. It's love when it's not reciprocated. It's love that just is, no matter what. That's the love that, that God's got for you and for me. It's the love that Paul talks about in Romans 5. I want to show it to you. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Look at it. While we were still sinners. That's the love. It's the love that while we were putting Jesus on the cross, because that's what happened. It was my sin. It was your sin. It was human sin. It was nature that was, that was sinful in nature. While that was still going on, while that was still happening, God's love was still there for us. God's love was still extending towards humanity. God's love was in the world, active and alive. And that's the type of love that God wants us to have, agape love. Jesus wants us to know and to live in a way where, there, where that agape love, it permeates through our very lives. See, love is God's idea because God knows what he's doing. Love is God's idea because God knows what we need. We need this type of love. If we were to base everything off emotional love, man, we'd be in all kinds of trouble. Our eternity, if it was based on um, phileo or storge, we'd be in all kinds of trouble. But thankfully, it's based on God's love. And the more I go on in ministry, the more I go on in, in this role, the more I can see 
Whether there's a situation with fractured relationship, maybe there's a marriage that's struggling, maybe there's a, a person that's struggling with their faith, maybe there's sort of a, a disagreement going on. The more I realize, the answer is love. There's an issue, there's, a, there's friction. What's the answer? Love. What's the answer to, a, to someone that's struggling with their faith? Just to love them. Just to show them love. What's, what's the answer to someone who's struggling with a sin issue? Is it to beat them down and make them feel like, oh, they're not good enough and they need to fix it? No, the answer is love. Just love them where they're at. Show this kind of love that doesn't necessarily make sense. Show the kind of love that maybe would turn some person around and say, are you seriously being this loving to me right now after what I just did? Yes. See, this is the love that God wants us to have. Love is God's idea. I'd love it if you just take a moment right now, just think about a situation where there's tension, where there's friction, where there's struggle in your own life. How much could love, God's love, change those dynamics? Change those things, change that situation. And maybe you could say, well, I've been trying to love. Well, maybe God just needs you to keep loving. Maybe God just needs you to stay there and keep loving. So number one, love is God's idea. Number two, love is our calling. It's our calling and therefore our mission. See, calling and mission, I believe they're, they're closely tethered together. What's your calling in life? Your calling is pretty, pretty well tied to your mission. You're called to do something. Paul said to Timothy, he said, you're saved and called. What does that mean? It means you're called to do something. Called by God to be a missionary. Called by God to be an evangelist. Here's my, my thought for us this morning. Is I believe in 2020, we here in our city, in our region, we are called to love. Called to love. Called to love people, no matter where they're at. In fact, it's actually tied to our vision statement. Let me show it to you. It says to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church whose focus is Jesus and mission is to welcome people home. That's the, the, the vision statement of our church. Or maybe I could rewrite it this way. Our mission is to love people home. Love people home. See, we're called to intentionally love people, to bring them close, but also to stay close. See, I've got friends, I've got family that, that still live in Australia. Can I just say, it's actually really kind of hard to love them from here. It's hard. How do I alleviate? How do I fix that? Well, it's through intentionality. But I believe that through proximity, day-to-day -day interactions with people, it's actually a lot easier to love people when you're really close to them because you're in, you're in interaction. You're, you're daily meeting with them. But to love them into God-centered proximity and the church, it's going to take love. When's the last time you reached out to someone and showed them some real love? When's the last time you love someone like they were not going to love you back? In a situation where maybe love's not going to be reciprocated, but would you love them anyway? Would you love them anyway? Two things about the love calling I believe we have. Number one, love has a vocabulary. Love has a vocabulary. It has a sound to it. Love has words. Love has a way of talking to the very best of people's potential. See, agape love, God's love, it doesn't put people down. 
doesn't kick people while all they're on the ground. I've heard of tough love, and tough love, I believe, is, is absolutely, at the right times, maybe a good thing. But that's not what we're talking about here. Love that's consistent. Love that's steadfast in the language. See, love has a vocabulary. Love has a way of talking to the very best of people's potential, their purpose, their destiny. Love has a way of speaking in a certain way. Love has a way of of being able to speak. Love can handle it when someone is being, love, sorry, love can't handle it when someone is being put down verbally. Love does something about that. Love can't stand it when it hears the enemy selling lies. Love, love has a way of speaking like Jesus spoke. Lifting up, pointing towards heaven, being grace-filled. Love has a vocabulary. See, the challenge for us and for me is when we're in close proximity with people, we're supposed to reach. It's not what the vocabulary is that we're using, it's whose vocabulary we are using. Are we proclaiming the gospel over people? Are we speaking into young people, God-given potential and purpose? Or are we just telling them they don't measure up or, you know, it's going to be tough? Or are we speaking God potential? Are we speaking God purpose? See, I want to be the type of person when someone comes into my vicinity that they leave being lifted up by my words, by my vocabulary. They leave the space that I'm in saying, you know what, every interaction I have with that guy, I always come away feeling encouraged. I always feel like he's pushed me forward. I always feel like he's made me feel better about myself. This is God's love. It has a vocabulary. It has a tone. It has a sound. See, I, I have a real problem with people saying things like, oh, they just sound so churchy. We don't sound churchy. We sound like God. If I say to someone, hey, you're awesome. I'm speaking like God speaks because you are awesome. Lifting people up. See, love has a vocabulary. And I want to have God's vocabulary. So it's not about my vocabulary. It's his vocabulary that I'm using. Number two. Love has a to-love list. See, there's a to-do list, but God's calling us to have a to-love list. Who's on your to-love list? Single people, relax. (laughs) But who's on your to-love list? Who needs some loving in your world? Who needs a, a loving text? Who needs a loving reminder that God loves them? Who needs a loving reminder that, that you're here for them? I think one of the best things we can say to people who are far from God is to say, no matter what, man, I'm here for you. No matter what, come hell or high water, I'll be right here. If you need me, I'm here. It's not forcing into people's world. It's not getting up in people's business. But it's just saying, hey, God loves you. So do I. To the best of my ability, I will be here for you. If you ever need me, you reach out. That's my to love list. To the people that God has called me to love. But here's what happens. is Sometimes God will use a crisis. Sometimes God will use a situation or a circumstance. And it's because of your stance prior to that. Because of your position in love saying, I'm here no matter what. Because love is my calling. Love is my mission. Love is what we do. That person may come back and say, hey, will you pray for me? 
because my friend just got cancer? Will you pray for me because I just, I'm going through this situation and I've tried everything and you've been talking about God for so long and maybe I need God. Yeah. See, love is our calling. Love is our position, but we should have a love, a to love list. Who's on your to love list? And what vocabulary are you using? See, I think like negativity is kind of interesting, you know. Negativity is something that God can't use. You ever thought about like being negative? You know, this isn't a self-help seminar. This is church. But I'll tell you right now, negativity, it just doesn't really go well with the gospel. It doesn't really work. Cynicism. You know, this is one of my big ones, being from Australia. Everyone is cynical. Everyone is sarcastic. But it doesn't really mesh well with the gospel. Because the gospel lifts you up always. Cynicism and negativity never does. It always makes you feel like, ah, I don't know where I stand. I don't know where I'm at. See, there's a tone. There's a vocabulary. There's a way of speaking that is gospel-centered and always pushes people to Jesus. And it's the love way in Jesus' name. So love is God's idea. And love and loving people in proximity is our calling. It's our mission. I even think about Good Friday at the amphitheater. You know what we're going to do on Good Friday at the amphitheater? We're going to love people home. You're saying we're going to love people to your home? No. The kingdom of God. We're going to love people home. There'll be a moment towards the end of the service. We'll do what we do every single week in church, which is invite people to come into a relationship with Jesus. Our, our calling is to love people home. To be the type of church that says, hey, you're dealing with all kinds of junk. Awesome. God loves you. Focus on Him. Don't focus on the issue. Come home. Love is our calling. Our calling is not to fix people's issues. Our calling is not to point out people's faults. We had a message just recently. Someone was like, hey, where do you stand on this issue? Because I've been so hurt by other churches, I don't want to even show up until you tell me exactly where this is at. I'm not coming. And it broke my heart. Because love is our calling. Our calling is not to fix someone's issues or be the judge. Our job is just to love. That's what we're called to do. And like I like to say, is if we could just get people in here, completely soaked in the presence of God, under the power of worship, the Holy Spirit moving, That'll, God will take care of that. Our job is just to love them in here. Help them come into, into the kingdom. Love is our calling. And I truly believe we can love people home. In Jesus' name. So love is God's idea. Love is our calling, our mission. And number three, love never quits. Love never quits. I want to show you something in the, in the first part of John 13. Something that I'd never seen before. I've read the Gospel of John so many times, but I'd never seen this particular bit. And it was the contrast, the stark contrast that stood out to me. I was just blown away. It's in uh, verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, 
When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. That's what I'm talking about this morning is this kind of love, this kind of unconditional, radical, insane love. It never quits. It can't be hindered by offence. It can't be stopped by discomfort. It can't be held back because of something that someone else does. Love, God's love, it never quits. It never quits. Is anyone grateful this morning that God's love never quit on you? So this love, it never, ever quit. And I love what it says here. It says, Jesus, He loved until the end. You know, that's exactly what our challenge is today. To love people to the end. Oh, you got problems? Okay. I'm going to love you. But what if I don't change? I'm going to love you. What if I won't come into alignment with your theology? I'm going to love you till the end. Even if you don't change. Try that on for size. But here's what I know is that God's love, it changes us. It molds us, it shapes us, it has a way of wrecking us from the inside. All my job is, job is to love on the outside. God will take care of the inside. Love never quits. Love has this way of staying at us and staying with us. It says He loved them till the end. I wonder today, if there's someone in your world that you just need to say, hey, I'm going to love you to the end. I'm going to love you all the way to the end of this road. We're in this together. Love never quits. I was coming up with this message and this awesome guy in our church, Simon Epp, he did the team rally this morning. I don't know, he could be in here, he might be in kids, but I just want to read to you what he said this morning. And he sent me the notes and I was preparing this message and I was like, God, what are you doing here? This is amazing. He took a very scripture that I was going to use for our team rally without even knowing. We'd not talked about it. That I just want to read what he said. He said, for those who don't really know me, I work at a hotel and a resort. As I was preparing for today, I felt God was asking me to talk about something personal from my own life. So when I started in the hospitality industry, the first person, the first position I had was a concierge. The purpose of this position is to help guests feel welcome during their stay. The majority of the guests are strangers when they first walk into the hotel, but it was my job to make them feel at home. For today, God led me to a verse in Leviticus 19, verse 33. It says, when, you're, when a foreigner lives with you in your land, don't take advantage of him. Treat the foreigner the same as a native. Love him like one of your own. Remember that you were once foreigners in Egypt. I am God, your God. And he goes on, he says, I thought this was encouraging for us today because we were all once strangers, but we've each been welcomed into his church by God's love. We know that he's welcomed us. His death and resurrection was the ultimate example of hospitality. And we know that he wants to welcome other people home today too. Every one of us here has a different story of exactly how they were ushered into the kingdom. But the important thing is that he wants us to use our teams today to make strangers feel welcome here. So in a way, we've all become the concierge to God's kingdom. How awesome is that? 
That's our church. That's our calling. That's our mission. You're a concierge. What does a concierge do? Just makes people feel at home. Gets people comfortable in a seat. Helps people get from the parking lot to the front door. Helps people understand, oh, this is what you do with the kids. You bring the kids over here and introduce them to a leader. Encourage them in the hallway. Hey, man, God loves you. You're awesome. Oh, first time at church, bro, we're so happy you're here. You're amazing. You're awesome for coming today. We're so grateful you're in the house. You see the vocabulary? You hear the tone? See, love, it never quits. It says that Jesus, he loved them till the end. There's no ending point when it comes to love. Can I encourage you? And I'm, I'm preaching to myself. There have been times where I've been like, oh, I feel like I've got nothing left. But that's not this love. This love, it holds on. This love is still there. This love will be there no matter what. Love never quits. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray specifically this morning for this no quitting type of love to permeate through our lives, to be in existence always in our hearts, for us to be the type of people when it comes to people in our world because there are challenging situations. There are prodigals that haven't come home yet. There are people that haven't been immersed by God's love. They're all around us. They're in our world for a reason because God has placed us there to be the answer and to be the messenger and the carrier of God's love. So would you stand with me? I want to pray. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed. I hope you enjoyed that message. I would love for you to also to check out my brand new leadership podcast, Leadership with Matt McClory. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify. I would love for you to go and subscribe to that podcast and really get some more in-depth teaching on leadership. I believe we're all called to lead in some area of life. God has called all of us to do something with our lives and so therefore we can grow in the area of leadership. I would love for you to check it out. God bless you.